Hello again, wonderful listeners. Welcome to a new episode of our podcast, Life's Multiverse. Have you ever asked yourself while listening to me how much of oil money did I manage to collect in Dubai? Or maybe how did I handle the cultural shock after moving out of Syria? Well, if any of these questions ever crossed your mind, or if you're at all interested in knowing more about cultural differences between the West and the Middle East, then keep listening as I'll tell everything about my journey from the rich heritage of the Middle East to the vibrant landscape of Europe and unravel common myths and hidden truths. Throughout my life, I've had the privilege of experiencing three distinct Middle Eastern countries, Syria, Lebanon, and the United Arab Emirates. Each of these places offered a unique blend of traditions, customs, and cultural nuances. But the adventure didn't stop there. My recent move to the Netherlands has added another layer to my cross-cultural journey. And the most frequent question I get asked by far is what are the difficulties and challenges that you've faced when moving between these different cultures, especially after my movement to Europe? Because people usually think of the West and the East as polar opposites, like fire and ice. They cannot combine. And I'm here for you today to explore how true is this and how do I see it from my own experience and perspective. But before we start, I just wanted to add a little bit of background about myself. I was born in Aleppo, Syria, in a Christian family. And the community I was raised in was also Christian majority. And the Christian community in Syria has a lot of influence from the West. So that meant that Western culture was not completely alien from me in my childhood. But at the same time, I had to adapt the local traditions and embrace the Syrian Arab culture. So it was sort of a hybrid environment that facilitated for me the transition to the Western life and European culture. So let's start from my favorite part, meds busting. I'd like to highlight and bust the most common misconceptions about the Middle East in the world in general and in the West in particular. And following up on what I've just said, yes, the first misconception is homogeneity, which is one of the most significant misconceptions about the Middle East. And what it means is the thought that the Middle East is a monolithic entity with a single culture, religion, or set of values. And this cannot be any more wrong. The Middle East is incredibly diverse, with various ethnicities, languages, religions, and cultural practices. So not all Arabs are Muslims. There are Jews, there are Yazidis, and too many other cultures and backgrounds beyond count. Which leads us to misconception number two, which is the primitive social norms, and assuming that social norms in the Middle East are universally conservative or oppressive, which is totally inaccurate. There is wide range of social norms and values across the region, with significant variations from one country to another. So for me, for example, where I lived between Syria, Lebanon, and the United Arab Emirates, there was a huge 
difference between the three countries. Even in the same country, there are big differences between cities. So there are places where you find people are more conservative. There are places where you find them more liberal. Like, for example, some areas in Lebanon, people are just so liberal that I don't really find an observable difference between people there and the European people. On the other hand, there are some places where there are some tribes in Syria that you feel like they escaped the Prophet era. So there is no fit for all norm, it just depends. It's very variable. So recently Dubai for me, it was literally like a launching pad to Europe because the culture there, despite being in the heart of the Arab desert, it's highly influenced by the Western culture, mainly because of the European and American influence there as a consequence of the globalization. Also the current demographic of the country where expats make the vast majority of the population makes it a highly diverse society and very tolerant to other cultures. On top of that, the country is developing so fast and it's changing rapidly, which means even the things that are still remaining on the conservative side are going more and more to the open and liberal direction. And lots of references that you might find online advising you about it. Social norms or do's and don'ts are mostly outdated, which I experienced myself because before moving to Dubai, I was in Lebanon. And as I mentioned, I lived in one of these very liberal areas in Lebanon, where it was also Christian majority and people there are just very open. And when I was about to move to Dubai, I was also myself concerned if I will be faced with this conservative society. So I started searching on Google about basic things that you might ask about, like, for example, if you can have alcohol or if it's available or what do women wear, like these basic stuff that we all maybe have questions about. And I found some answers on the internet that was completely outdated because when I went there, I found a completely different thing. And yes, alcohol is allowed and abundant. And in terms of girls' clothing, well, this area is debatable because what people believe is very far from the truth that you should wear like long sleeves and below the knee, which is very far from reality. Like uh, tank tops and shorts are so common and normal. But at the same time, you don't find the same uh, level of liberation in clothes, I would say, as you find in Europe. And by that, I mean, like, for example, the very revealing festive wear or costumes. These are, like, non-existent. But other than that, what you would consider normal wearing to the street in Europe, it's also normal to wear in the street in Dubai and Lebanon as well. But in Syria, honestly, the situation is a little bit different because uh, there the society is still more on the conservative side, 
even though I mentioned that it's different between the areas, but even in the liberal areas, people are considerate of the general norm and they are not used to cross the limits. So even if I myself find something okay, I would not do it. And this is due to another phenomenon there that I want also to highlight as a big difference between the West and the East, which is collective versus individual. And maybe many of you know about that, but I find it from my own experience that this is very essential. It's one of the most significant differences in my opinion. But again, this is also a little bit variable, but you can sense the general trend in the East towards like the collective society. Society there is more collective, which means that the value is for the bigger entities. They don't value individuals by themselves as much, but rather individuals get their value from the community they belong to. So for example, worker should sacrifice for his company and the company should sacrifice for the country and the countries should sacrifice for the religion and so on so each part of the society belongs to a bigger part that's more important and higher in value and when your needs or values conflict with this bigger entity or your bigger part then your needs and values should be dismissed. This is one of the biggest differences, where in Europe the individual values and needs are on top of all, which is technically called an individualist society. Like, the value of the individual is on the top of the hierarchy. And I can't tell myself, like, this is a better than that or this is right and this is wrong because at the end if you look at it from an evolutionary point of view you would understand the benefits of each like each approach has its own pros and cons so to speak but the current mainstream is of course valuing individualism more because of obvious reason because it's just the mainstream but I think we can all see the weaknesses and holes in this because of the rising mental illness, skyrocketing divorce rates. So I don't think I need to explain why it has disadvantages. But again, I'm not here advocating for any because I don't need to tell what are the disadvantages of the collective society as it's very obvious. But it also has its virtues in my opinion because the society sometimes sets the compass like sets the moral compass of its individuals so you have a direction in your life like you know where to go in case you lost directions where when you are following the individualist approach if you lost directions in life there is nothing to guide you back i mean you can, of course, seek help, but you need to be deliberate in that. Like, there is no extra force to recorrect your path. Which may or may not be what you want, but it's definitely an interesting feature. Another benefit of following societal norms and being conservative... So, let's, let's define being conservative for a moment. Being conservative, for me, is 
the aversity to change and holding the traditional values. Like when you just simply refuse to deviate from what your society believes or from the social norms. And this is the definition of being conservative, just to agree on that. Because I might say something controversial, but being conservative sometimes helps. And again, I'm not advocating for that, but I'm just highlighting the side that you don't hear more often. And coming from a conservative society myself, I can tell that there are some things that I miss here, in Europe in particular. And one of them is what I like to call social vetting. So in my society, for example, let's say I met a girl and I liked her somewhere. What happens next is that I will go out with that girl and my friends or family will see me with her. And here comes the interesting part. From this moment, she goes under the eye of the microscope and they started checking her. They try to investigate every single detail publicly related to her, her family or any of her surroundings. And yes, I know this sounds very weird now and very kind of stalkerish, but this is what happens and it helps because when these people do the job and they collect this information, they can provide me with any red flags that I need to know immediately before I get too involved with that girl, for example, before it's too late. But you might say that it's never too late and you can always pivot. Yes, I agree, but we are all humans and we have something called the sunk cost fallacy, which is meticulously explained by Daniel Kahneman in his book uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, which I might dedicate a full episode for that later on because this one book changed my life. But uh, related to this topic, the sunk cost fallacy means that we tend to stick to the things that we invested in even after finding out that these things don't work. And it applies to anything in life from relationship to work to projects. Like when we invest a lot of time and effort or money in a project and we found out we find out that it might not work, we tend to stick to that and continue just to not waste our previous effort. And this is very common human bias. That means when you catch red flags early on in the relationship, you avoid further investment and you avoid this uh, biased attachment to that person, where, which might lead you to this sunk cost fallacy, where you might say that, okay, whatever, I will make this relationship work because I invested a lot in it. Or even in most cases, you won't see these red flags at all because you're still in the honeymoon phase. And what we end up with is 50% divorce rate, right? So this is just an example from the top of my head on how these things work in the Middle East. But of course, this is not everything. There are also traditional marriages, gender roles, and many other things. And speaking about gender roles, here comes the next misconception about the Middle East, which is women rights. Yes. There's a big misconception and the stereotype that women in the Middle East are universally oppressed and have no rights, which is not true, at least not completely true. 
Again, the situation is different between countries, but in general, what, what is there is what I like to call gender roles. Because gender roles there are different from what it is in the West. In the West, it's more like uh, nowadays going towards equality and no differences at all and all these things. But in the Middle East, there are significant differences between men and women. But that does not mean that women have no rights or men are better than women. It's just simply... it means that women have different roles than men in society but again even the gender roles nowadays are uh, getting more towards equality and women are participating in all the life aspects which is still variable between countries and cities but overall there is a tendency towards equality but let's say inside the family behind closed doors Yes, you would notice that uh, women have some certain roles in the family different from men. So there are some activities concerned for mostly for women like cooking, cleaning, raising kids and men are usually more responsible for work, finances, money, solving the family problems or even the manual problems like fixing stuff and so on. But if we are to speak about the power dynamics in the family, like who has the power, it is hard to set a normal or standard. But I can say that in more than 50% of cases, the men usually have more power in the family. But this is not the standard or any rule. It's different from family to family. And the reason behind that is, in my opinion, the way parents raise their kids. Because parents used to raise their female kids more conservatively. And this is because of a very important reason, which is a stereotype, but it's also true that society there values virginity so much. So parents used to be very careful and concerned about their girl's virginity. So they tend to raise her very conservatively in terms that she should save herself for her husband and this meant that the girl does not have lots of options in her life and she does not have the full control over her like over everything in her life which means that she will be growing up with weaker personality and not develop to her full potential and this will result in her husband or man taking more power but again yes this does not apply to all girls or women i know myself too many very strong and independent women it also depends on the level of conservativeness of your family and of course this phenomena is a result of religious beliefs which takes a big part of people's lives there because Middle Eastern countries in general tend to be very spiritual and this is not a new thing even in the old ages we know that most of the religions originated from the East so this is not news and people till this day tend to stick to their religion and to have like very profound but religious beliefs and we can have a long time arguing about the benefits or the disadvantages of that where I'm myself not a religious person but the merits of religion are very well seen by me 
I will not talk for long about that, but I will just mention that therapy does not exist there. And I think you got one explanation for that. And before wrapping everything up, I wanted to answer the very first question I asked. How much of oil money did I make in Dubai? The answer is zero. Yes. I transferred with me the money I made from work, but not from oil, unfortunately. This is also the last misconception that I have for today, which is like all Arabs have oil money and especially people in the GCC area or UAE, Saudi Arabia, like they are all rich or they have oil money. Yes, this is true. There are people there who are ridiculously rich and beyond any description but there are also people who are really poor and their life is really hard so this is not like a general rule and not everyone driving lambos and ferraris yes there are lots of lambos and ferraris but they are not for everyone and at the end i'd like to add a final note for this topic i'm sure i'll revisit this subject later on because there is a lot to say and there are uh, too many things that I didn't have time to cover. I'd like to take things from the opposite perspective. What are the misconceptions about the West from the East point of view? But for now, I like to say that since I've been in the two different societies, what I found in people is that they have more in common than indifference. And people are actually more similar than we think, especially in the opposite sides of the words. They are still the same humans. They are still sharing the same basic instincts, same human values, even if things look different on the surface. But deep inside, we are more similar than we think. And by that, I would like to end today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something new and I hope that this little journey was enjoyable for you. See you on the next one.